On today's episode, troubleshooting for mid-race soreness. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Welcome back. Uh, I wanted to say thanks to Dak or Dark Fallon for this suggestion. Um, just chatting to him during the week and he asked or proposed this question and thought it'd be a really nice episode topic. Um, so before we get started, currently what I'm up to, um, I'm training for a trail run series that's coming up here in Melbourne and uh, it's, there's one probably about four weeks away and it's looking quite good. Um, still cycling a couple times a week. Um, but I have managed to develop some hamstring soreness. I know proximal hamstring tendinopathy has been in my history for quite a long time. Um, this one feels a little bit different though. Yes, my proximal hamstring tendon is a bit achy and it's on the other side compared to, um, my last PHT flare up was actually on the right side. This is on the left. Um, but it's a bit different in terms of there's a lot more muscle belly, strain and it was during basketball playing um now that i've started that back up once a week uh, which i'm really enjoying but during a sprint it sort of just grabbed on me and so um it is a little bit different but here are the smart decisions that i'm currently making one um tried uh 4k really slow run and did notice it during the run for my first attempt back um, but it was about a two out of 10, didn't get any worse. So continued for that four out of 10, uh, continued for that 4k run, um, was no worse afterwards, was no worse the next day. So I actually ran two days in a row and that second day it was a lot better. It was probably a zero to one out of 10. Um, so ran another 4k and, uh, that was yesterday and it's feeling really good today. Um, and so I'm about to do about a, nine or 10k run today we'll wait and see how i feel once i get out there but i've done a 10k run about two 10 days ago so i know it's um i'm capable of doing it but we'll see how the hamstring holds up um i am doing some like hamstring loading exercises before and after my runs that tends to work really well for me so a long lever almost like a double leg bridge, but then marching. So getting this momentary single leg bridge, really long lever tends to really help me load up my tendons. And I feel quite good once I go for a run outside uh, after doing that. Um, still doing my strength. Yesterday I did lunges. Day before that I did squats. Um, I was trying not to 
combine too many different strength exercises in one because I wanted to see how my hamstring would feel afterwards. But just doing the squats was fine. Just doing the lunges yesterday was fine. And today I'll probably um, have a rest from strength or do some really light deadlifts. We'll wait and see. Um, But they're the, like, I'm still staying active. I'm not totally resting this injury and still keeping up my fitness. And the hamstring is slowly resolving itself as I pay attention to it. Um, so yeah, that's me. That's what I'm paying attention to. And that's my issues going on at the moment. Another issue I have is I need a new microphone. Um, because I don't know if you listened to one of my episodes, I think it was about six weeks ago. I got a new microphone, which I was super excited about, but it was way too touchy. Every time I touched the cable, the microphone would cut out. So I had to get it sent back and got my refund. But now I'm still using my um, blue Yeti Nano, which I've had for the last couple of years, but looking for a new microphone because I have this new nifty boom arm, which is like that extended scissor arm that a lot of fancy podcasters have. Um, And my current microphone won't fit on this empty boom arm that I have. So I am in need to do some research and find a new microphone. So that's another issue that I'm having. I interviewed Kira Sutherland yesterday and her episode will be out next next time. Um, we're talking about fasting and how safe is fasting when running or how fast is uh, how safe is running while fasting. Um, really excited to bring you that one so keep up uh, keep an eye out for that one. All right, so um, troubleshooting for a when pain or soreness arises, mid-race when things are going on you're halfway through the race and then all of a sudden you start noticing something going on what can we do first of all a few i've got six dot points here which are kind of disclaimers hopefully you've made enough necessary preparations you've done all you can to prepare for this race you've made smart train decisions but we know life isn't perfect and this will arise so hopefully you've done a good training um and then second this scenario that we might play out is during like a race where you don't want to back off. If it was a race that didn't really mean much or if it was during like your training run, you can just walk. You don't need to run through it. In this scenario also, hopefully this is like a new pain. Like you've never had this before or maybe you haven't had it for a very long time and all of a sudden it just arises. This isn't me trying to tell you this is what to do if you've got a pre-existing injury that's already painful and then you run and this is how you change the way you run trying to manage that injury. That's not what this scenario is about. We're just playing around with this idea of a random pain just or a random soreness just arising. So it will also depend on the, the level of symptoms. Like symptoms can be mild. They can be bothersome, uh, manageable, and this is what we can do just to, I guess, change the load on the body to help manage that sort of soreness if it's really painful or if you make these changes and it's still pains really climbing up quite high you're just going to have to call it a day Um, but another like a big disclaimer during this mid-race if you decide to change your running style this will increase or slightly increase your risk of injury if that running style is too abrupt Or let's just say you're in like an ultra and you decide to make this subtle change and that subtle change over 20, 30, 40 Ks um, might just overload a part of your body that just isn't ready for that style of running. 
So keep that in mind um, because, yeah, it might increase your risk of injury. But these, in this scenario, these are desperate times. We're trying to troubleshoot what we can to hopefully get you across the line. Um, and this doesn't mean that if you make these changes and the pain subsides and you successfully complete your race, this isn't meaning that you need to change the way you run. This isn't meaning that what you were doing previously and your technique previously was at fault. This is just something that we can offload. You run the way you run, you race the way you race, your style is fine, but these are just things that we can do in order to, um, yeah, just shift the load. Okay, so I thought that um, a, a sensible way to structure this would to be starting at the foot and then working our way up the chain, up the leg, um, and see where we get. And I've only I've picked like the most common areas for pain to arise. So number one, with just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Starting at the bottom, let's go with foot, plantar fascia and the heel pain. Like if these this soreness arises, I've kind of clumped this into one category. And so the first thing you need to do, almost the most important thing, if you are experiencing some unexpected soreness in the foot or the heel or the plantar fascia is to assure that you're running quiet. So if you pay attention, oh, I'm getting this, this foot pain. Um, and then you're listening to your running style or you're listening to the terrain that you're on and it's quite loud. You're noticing a lot of loud thuds, try and do what you can to adjust your running to, um, reduce that noise make sure you do quiet running. If you're in a race, try and sneak up on people. Um, this is, would help reduce that spike in ground reaction force that the foot, the plantar fascia, the heel is subject to. Um, so that's the key one. But I also have a couple of other points here. Um, try focusing on midfoot contact. So if you are a, a forefoot runner or if you are a heel striker, try and um, find somewhere in between the two. Um, so trying to essentially when you first make contact with the ground, um, all parts of the shoe, the heel, the forefoot, the midfoot should all contact at the same time. And this is what someone might naturally do if they try and run quiet anyway, but just thought I'd add that in. Um, try and keep foot contact underneath your body, which again, people would do if they try and run quiet. But if you are a heel striker and you're reaching out quite far in front of your body, um, trying to make this adjustment, trying to run quieter will help reduce those spikes in load. So hopefully keep that, that pain and that soreness at bay. Um, if it is a plantar fascia issue, try and reduce your running speed when you're going uphill. And if it is heel pain, try and make sure that you're doing like this midfoot toe running on your way downhill because we know on the way downhill, if you're a heel striker, you're slamming the ground a lot harder. Um, depending, I'm thinking of like a trail scenario where there's a, a fair rapid descent, like the, the decline is quite a lot. And you know how people kind of shuffle on their feet on the way down and pull the brakes on rather than run down that hill. Um, that's something I'm thinking of. But in the scenario of like a very gentle downhill and if it's a road, um, you can still keep that midfoot contact. 
But if it is plantar fascia or if it's any like underneath the toes, you want to really reduce your speed when you're running uphill because that will load the fascia quite a lot. Um, so that's foot pain. The shins, if, if we're working our way back up the leg, um, if you encounter shin pain, the number one thing you could do is probably increase your cadence, depending what your cadence is currently at. Um, if it's in the high range, then you probably don't need to. You'd probably want to focus on more of like a, for, a midfoot contact, similar to what the foot and plantar fascia was like. Um, pretty much because if you point your toes up quite high, when you make contact with the ground, it seems to be a common characteristic if people to overload the shins a little bit. Um, so when you first make contact with the ground, we're looking at the angle of the toes pointing up towards the ceiling or up towards the sky. And so if you adopt more of a midfoot contact, then we're reducing that load and we're reducing that slam on the ground and the requirements of the shin muscles. Um, the other thing that I could think of would be to widen your step width. Pronation, the the rate of pronation seems to be common in people with shin pain. So if we uh, widen our stance slightly, that reduces that rapid pronation um, moment. And in a scenario where you're on the trails, I know when I have a trail run, um, I don't like to run in the middle of the trail. Sometimes I'm up along the side of one side and then I move to the other side and trying to vary it up a little bit. That's something you can do with shin pain. Okay, the calf and Achilles pain. So if you're noticing, I've clumped these two together because they're very similar. Um, the number one thing you can do if you're in the middle of a race and you start noticing this calf and Achilles pain you're going to have to slow down your speed. Um, depending on the level of pain, if it becomes really bothersome and it's creeping up, so it was a one, now it's a two, now it's a four, you definitely need to back off your speed. Um, that's just the best thing you can do. If there is a hill, if you're doing trails and there's a big climb up in front of you, you're going to have to walk it. Um, if you're really desperate and the pain levels are quite high and you do have a quite steep hill in front of you, more acceptable on the trails than on a road, but you can walk backwards up the hill. Um, that can take a lot of strain away from your calf and your Achilles. So that's just in desperate times, that's something you can do. Um, the other thing is if you are a four foot runner, if you're before the race, um, at the start of the race, if you're naturally a four foot runner, you might want to adopt a midfoot or if you're coordinated enough and had experience with it, um, and have the, I guess, the heel drop and the cushioning to um, justify it, you can do a heel strike. I have in the past, if plantar fascia is flared up or if um, I've had like toe issues, um, just for a run or two, I've made sure that I have my shoes that have a 10 mil stack height and I concentrate a little bit more on heel contact when naturally I'm a four foot runner. So you can make that adjustment. Some runners are more coordinated at making that adjustment, but um, just thought I'd throw that in there as well. So we've done foot, we've done shin, we've done calf and Achilles. Let's continue our way up and look at knee pain. So the number one key thing that you can do if you do start developing some knee pain mid-race is to increase your cadence. We know that if you increase your cadence by 10%, so if you're at, if you go from say 155 to 165, 170, somewhere along those lines, 
you decrease your overall knee loads by around about 10 to 15%, which is a significant reduction in load through the knees if you make that adjustment. Therefore, if knee pain arises, something you might want to concentrate on is just ticking your legs over quicker. Uh, if you're not too familiar with cadence, um, it's in my 10 universal principles in the first 10 episodes, which every listener has done a fantastic job. Everyone that I've listened to or talked to has done a fantastic job of going back and listening to those 10 episodes. So well done, everyone. Um, so you're probably well familiar with cadence. Um, I, I thought I'd mention in here as well, if you do develop a knee pain mid-race, you don't necessarily need to slow down. It's not something like the calf and Achilles, which propels you. Therefore, if you increase speed, it increases demand. Sometimes with knee pain or sometimes with runners, if they run slower, they run with a, a more bend in their knee, particularly at mid stance. So when the foot is planted on the ground directly underneath the body in that phase of the running cycle. If you run slower, sometimes there's more bend in that knee, which actually increases knee and patella or kneecap loads. Um, so sometimes if it is patellofemoral pain that is starting to arise mid-race, there could be other things in the knee that could contribute. But if it is patellofemoral pain, sometimes keeping your speed up might actually still, you might be able to get away with it. Um, and increasing your cadence, maintaining your same speed can do really well with keeping up with or like reducing those knee loads. So I thought I'd mention that as well. If you're noticing, this is particularly common with females, if you notice that your knees are brushing together when you run, so every time you step and every time you go through your swing phase, if your knees make contact together, you might have to draw a little bit of awareness to that area because some people do brush their knees and they don't even realize. Um, but if that is happening with you and you start developing knee pain, in the mid-race, you might want to focus on increasing your step width and or changing up the um, the variety of your running. So if you're on the trails, you know, changing up the foot placement, going from one side of the trail to the other and just mixing it up that way. But I must, um, must say as well that if you do increase your step width, make sure you only just do it a little bit. We're talking one to two inches in difference. I've said this before in the podcast, every time I've got someone on the treadmill and I tell them to increase their step width, even if I tell them to do so by one to two inches, they overdo it. They go three, four inches and they're jumping side to side and um, it's not a very good adjustment. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you do decide, if you're noticing your knees are brushing together, if you are getting this knee pain, widen that step width slightly and see what happens. It, it would um, just help the loads through the knees a bit better. And run quieter downhill, pump the brakes a little bit downhill. I'm just trying to run quiet. So we're reducing that thud, which reduces that ground reaction force, which reduces that load through the knee. Because as we thud our way downhill, particularly if it's um, like bitumen, concrete, um, and you hear that loud thud, that's a lot of load going through your body when you're running downhill. So run quiet or reduce your speed on the way downhill um, and just take your time. The next one I can think about, a common area for runners would be the ITB, um, which I've only got well, pretty much one point, um, which is kind of two adjustments in one. Widen your step width and increase your cadence. That's been shown to reduce ITB strain. 
So increasing your cadence, especially if it's in the low range to start with and increase your step width can reduce ITB strain. It's um, pretty much as simple as that. Um, and if you're on the trails, like I said in the last point, try and vary it up, try and vary up your step position. Um, yeah, run around rocks, run around trees, just try and vary it up instead of having that same consistent load every time because um, that's been shown to accumulate ITB strain. And as well, I guess it could be said for a lot of these, um, try to reduce or run quieter downhill because then uh, we're reducing that gravity as soon as you slam on the ground. Um, that can increase ITB strain as well. Um, Mid-belly hamstring strains or hamstring muscle, that sort of thing, if that arises. Um, I've got a couple of things here. Didn't think I'd decide not to mention um, proximal hamstring tendinopathy because that won't come on like mid-race unless you've had it pre-existing, unless you knew about it at the start of the race. If you've overdone things mid-race, it will turn up later on, like the next day or a couple of days later. Um, but hamstring, muscle, belly um, strain, like all that sort of bothersome soreness can arise mid-race. Um, so if that does happen mid-race, my advice is to reduce speed, similar to what's happening with the calf and the Achilles. The faster you run, the more your hamstrings need to work eccentrically. Uh, we know this from the eccentrics episode that I did um, a couple of episodes ago. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, I thought I would add this point in, which is kind of hard to explain, but make sure that you're, you can uh, increase your awareness to pick your feet up using your hip flexors and trying to have your knee bent a little bit more during your swing phase. So you're picking your knees and picking your feet up with your hip flexors. And if you have that awareness and the, that ability to do so, you're just creating a better swing phase or a more efficient swing phase that takes a little bit of eccentric control away from the hamstring. So if you're swinging the leg and it's a little bit straighter, the eccentric control is quite high. If you swing through that swing phase and the knee is a little bit bent, and you can do that if you like swing through with your hip flexors and just try and bend your knee a little bit more, the hamstring still needs to work, but doesn't need to work as hard. And so that could really just um, reduce that pain if it starts to be a strain and starts to be bothersome during that race, you can make that slight adjustment and hopefully that keeps everything at bay. Um, so just try and make that slight adjustment, but reducing your speed will also make sure that the demands are kept at bay as well. Rumor said, I've got two more points here. Um, so the next one working our way up is your glute and the outside of your hip. So your glute muscles and the outermost part of your hip or lateral hip pain. Um, again, similar to ITB, you want to increase your cadence, maybe increase your step width. Um, that can help reduce the strain and reduce the loads. It's almost similar. It's almost very similar to ITB. Um, pretty much the same strain is accumulated for the same reasons. Um, so the same changes need to be said. Um, and also just take your time on the downhills because like we say with gravity, the hip control is quite strong when you have to plant that single leg on the ground and you have gravity uh, working against you. 
the control through the hip needs to be quite high. So smaller steps, take your time speed wise, working your way downhill and um, increase your step width on the flats and hopefully everything stays at bay. The last one I have is hip flexors. Um, so if you are noticing that the front of your hips are starting to be bothersome mid-race, um, first of all, you can walk up the hills because when you run uphill, that's when you're using your hip flexors the most in any race. Um, you can reduce your speed uh, on the flats just because the faster you run, the more you have to use your hip flexors. And you can potentially potentially lower your cadence. Like all these other tips, I have um, increase your cadence to make it more of an efficient stride. But if you are one to always run in the higher end of cadence, say if you're running 180, 185, some people run 190 cadence, and then you start getting hip flexor issues, you might benefit from reducing your cadence by 10%. If you're already in the low ranges, um, I wouldn't recommend it. I'd recommend doing those other things, so walking uphill and reducing your speed. But if you are in those high ranges, that might just help reduce those hip flexor soreness. I did have a runner reach out to me I was months ago now, several months ago, and he wanted to increase his cadence and decided for his next run, for the whole duration of his next run, he was going to run at a high cadence, higher than what he was used to. And then he developed a hip flexor strain because if you try and really tick your legs over quickly, you're increasing the demand on your hip flexors and moving it away from everywhere else, which what makes it one reason why it makes it an efficient run. However, if the hip flexors aren't ready for it and they haven't adapted to it, it's going to get sore. So um, with the hip flexors, if you are working your cadence quite high, you can reduce that a little bit and that might help keep soreness and keep that um, that pain at bay. So if I try to attempt to summarize this um, <laughs> with all these, like, what is it, eight um, locations, foot, heel, plantar fascia, try and run quiet for shin pain, try and increase your cadence and widen your step, uh, your step width, calf and Achilles pain, you have to slow down your speed, knee pain, you have to increase your cadence, ITB and glute outside of the hip, increase your cadence, widen slightly your step width, hamstrings, reduce your speed, uh, and try and make sure your swing phase um, has a little bit more knee bend. And then with the hip flexors, try and slow down your speed, try and walk uphill, and then potentially lower your cadence if you're in that those high ranges. Um, so that's the summary in about 30 seconds um, for how I've been talking for however long now. Um, I thought I would leave out adductors, so the inside of your thigh, your quads, because I don't really see a lot of people with quad soreness during a race, mid-race, so I thought I'd leave that out. And also the lower back, I, I don't see a lot of people with lower back issues um, when running, so uh, I thought I'd leave that out, but hopefully all those other locations um, are common enough where you can have a little bit of insight uh, if that were to happen in the future. Um, and if you're prone to these, I know you won't remember all of these tips from this episode, but if you're prone to getting some knee issues here and there, pops up a couple of times a year and you might think that it might pop up mid-race, just remember a couple of these tips um, if it were so to happen. 
Um, so over the last couple of days at the time of recording, I've been trying to come up with some podcast slogans and some like sign off um, sentences and <laughs> a few things just to keep my message um, on mission, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> and I've been trying to think of one for quite a while and helping like the Facebook group has helped, the patrons have helped um, my messaging and I've come up with one now, which um, I'll, I'll, I'm still undecided about. I'll use it for a couple of weeks or a couple of episodes and see if it resonates um, with me and see if it feels right. And I'd love your uh, feedback as well. Um, so as I sign off with today's episode, remember, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. I hope that was powerful. <laughs> All right, catch you next time. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path. <laughs>